We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Today I'm speaking with Kurt Kikas, the current overall leader in the 2018 FFPC main event and owner of three top 50 teams in the 1800 team contest with a $2.2 million prize pool and a $250,000 grand prize. He and his co-manager Mike Santos' career high stakes winnings total nearly $400,000. In this episode, we discuss the impact that the 2018 NFL trade deadline will have on fantasy football why he's gotten off to such a great start with his own teams this season, and much more. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here is the current FFPC main event leader, Kurt Kikis. Joined 
as we uh, we do the last uh, Rotoviz high stakes lowdown of October, which this episode actually won't come out until November. So when you're listening to this, it's November. But the FFPC main event leader, the Altadena <laughs> assassin himself, Kurt Kikas. Thanks for joining me this week, man. Appreciate it. Bulky, my pleasure. You're one of the good guys at fantasy football. And always glad to be on your show. Well, I'm I'm thrilled to hear that. Thank you so much. Um, and it, you know, the last time we had you on the the high stakes lowdown, you you said, uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll do the show, but this is not one of my better years. And I look at <laughs> I look at 2018, man, and and your first place overall in the FFPC main event. And not only are are you in first place uh, overall out of out of that competition but you're in 33rd overall. You're also in 41st overall. Uh, two 8-0 yeah. teams. And then, of course, uh, your your first place overall team has lost twice already. So that's just the way it works out. But this is off to a good start for you, man. Yeah, it's it's one of those starts that you just look at it and you think, oh, is this for real? But, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of work went into preparation and um, getting some of the breaks that I'd hoped to get. And it's looking so so far, so good. You know, I know, I know. Um, there, there's a certain amount of 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 luck and and you know just whatever happens happens. But I know the amount of prep that you put into each one of your your fantasy seasons. I'm just curious as you look at if we could compare 2018 to 2017 as far as maybe center on player evaluation. Have did you did you hit on a lot of your early round picks in these leagues? Did you hit on uh, some guys that you took in the double digit rounds that have really been paying off for you that that you've been able to start. Um, is it a diverse group for the Altadena assassin this year? Have you hit on a lot of the similar players in a lot of leagues? What's been the, the secret over the first eight weeks of the season? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, this year I did more prep than ever before. Um, and so I wasn't flying by the seat of my pants like I do sometimes. And it's a combination of, of really hitting on some guys and uh, having some strategies that paid off. And also having some luck, um, like getting Connor in the double-digit rounds, getting White in the the late single rounds, the early double-digit rounds, and those two guys have you know, performed very well. Um, also uh, hitting on a quarterback who I really put a lot of stock into. Um, he's a he's a quarterback I drafted last year as a rookie in Dynasty and put him on the taxi squad. Um, in fact, I did that in the dynasty league where I think you're last place, but anyway, that's not important. (laughs) (laughs) Um, um, I, you know, I got Mahomes in the double digit rounds, like round 13, uh, round 12, round 14. So, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of luck with getting the guys I wanted, um, having a good strategy and being fortunate enough to get some of the guys later on who are paying off. You know, as long as you mentioned James Conner, I know this has been like, I feel like I've brought this up with every high stakes player I've talked to this season. Sure. How, how does this play out? I mean, is, is, do you see Le'Veon Bell reporting by week 10? And then if so, how do they divvy? How do you see the, the, the touch divvy up uh, between both Conner and Bell? Well, that's a great question. I mean, Connor so far has, has just been amazing. Um, and I think he's actually surpassed some of Bell's performances through the, you know, through nine weeks. And I think he's got nine touchdowns through this period of time. And I don't think Bell has ever accomplished that. If I remember correctly from listening to the, you know, the various information out there, um, Bell will report. I mean, Bell, I think he has to report by week 10 or at the end of week 10 in order to have this year count uh, towards free agency. And at that point, I'm hoping that uh, I'm hoping that the Steelers will say, "Hey, you know, 
Connor, you, you've done well. You've done uh, an admirable job, and we're going to give you, uh, you know, a good portion of the carries. Um, you know, if I could have it my way, I'd like to see Bell not report at all just to make a statement, but don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I'd like to see him divvy up those carries. I think um, Connor has proven himself to be a guy. Um, their problems thus far into the season haven't been because of their offense. It's been because of their defense. So, I mean, I think Connor continues to be a part of the Steeler offense going forward, even if Bell reports. It's pretty clear that Le'Veon Bell will not be a Steeler next year. As far as dynasty leagues go, if you own Connor in him, would you be looking to let's say let's say you um let's say you're 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 looking to rebuild right now? Is Connor a guy sure. that you, that you can build around that you would keep on your team, or would you sell him off for 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 like a first round pick right now and, and see what you can get for that? I mean, what what do you think? How do you think Connor is used by Pittsburgh in 2019? Well, I mean, if, if they can get rid of Bell, that would be great. I think it would be great for everybody. It would be great for Bell. It would be great for Connor. It would be great for the Steelers. Um, Bell is still a young stud. He can um, command a lot in a trade. Um, you know, Connor, you know, if you look at the team that I have uh, in the FFPC that's number one right now, Connor is my third RB. Um, so, I mean, and if you have him in some leagues and dynasties, he's probably not one of your primary guys. And you're running, you know, you picked him late or you picked him up off of waivers. Um, so he, he really is a value because you've hopefully got two other studs or three other studs, and he you know, really plugs well into the equation. Yeah, for, I, I mean, that, that, I think that's that's totally clear. Um, and, and when you can have James Conner as your third running back, you know your team is loaded and ready for anything at this point. So nice job on that. It was a big <laughs> day in the NFL as we were, we were recording this on Tuesday night here uh, on the um, you know trade deadline day in the NFL. This is probably the wildest, most active trade deadline I've seen in the NFL that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we look at some of the deals that were done today, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Amari Cooper and Carlos Hyde a little bit later, but let's lead off uh, and talk about some of the big deals that were done today and, and start with the Denver Houston deal. Demarius Thomas gets shipped to Houston. Uh, obviously he is going to um, uh, take a lot of the targets um, that, that Will Fuller was getting before. Uh, and obviously with the sure. ACL, you know, he's done for the year. So Demarius Thomas steps in there. Um, Kiki QT, maybe uh, the, you, you, he takes a step back a little bit as far as target share goes uh, with Demarius Thomas there in Cortland Sutton. It is time to free him in Denver. So let's start off with Demarius Thomas specifically. How does his fantasy value change as he goes into Houston? If you were starting him as a, you know, a top 25 guy before, does that change at all now that uh, he's catching passes uh, from Deshaun Watson uh, for the Texans? No, not, not for me. I, I... He wasn't the guy I targeted in a lot of uh, leagues. Um, I was looking more for the value and going with Sanders later on. But in the leagues where I do have him, um, definitely going to play him. I mean, he's got Hopkins starting across from him, and you know the type of respect that Hopkins demands. And so he may become, um, you know, a, a pretty solid target as a number two guy there. Um, uh, as for Sutton, I mean, Sutton just has some mad skills, and it's. It's nice for him because I've got him in a few places too to see him have the opportunity to become the number two and uh, see what he can do. Yeah, you know. And uh, but yeah, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. You're the oh, host. Okay. All right. Well, then just <laughs> just to touch on on um, uh, on Sutton a little bit, I think this is sort of what if you owned him, you were hoping for because he sort of just 
you you had him on the bench and not that you were hoping for an injury to either Sanders or Thomas, but that's the reason you were keeping him around is because if the opportunity right. opened up and he gets these targets, you know that he is going to be able to be productive and efficient with them because what, what we've seen so far with him in you know getting a limited amount of targets, he's been taking advantage of them. So now he's going to have this bigger target share. I like him going forward. I, I'm, I'm with you on this one. I, I think he's a guy that you can look at flexing out at a minimum immediately. You yep. can look at, at at even bigger things once he gets a little bit more acclimated um, to to mm-hmm. being that number two guy next to Sanders. I, I think that his uh, value is definitely on the upswing. What about Kiki QT? Because it seemed like this it, it was like a, a sort of a mini roller coaster. You know, he was kind of wallowing as the number three guy there. He has a couple of games in Fuller's hurt uh, where he's really successful. If Fuller comes back, then QT gets hurt, and then his stock goes down. Then Fuller gets hurt, his stock goes back up, and now they uh, bring Thomas aboard. I- I'm I'm willing to, to, to wager that, by and large, his value hasn't really changed all that much because I think even when, you know, the role that he was fulfilling when Fuller and Hopkins are out there, I think that's we're going to see something similar now that it's Thomas and Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, QT is a guy, If I um, I don't have a whole lot of him, um, but the places that I do have him, I'd be more than happy to start him as a flex, even with those other two receivers. Um, think of the defense trying to have a, have to cover Hopkins, Demarius, um, QT. I mean, it's just, that's just a lot of, uh, of coverage you have to provide and some solid receivers. So, um, yeah, I don't think it hurts QT a whole lot relative to what he was doing. Um, and it's... Um, I wouldn't want to have to defend the Houston receivers at this point. And, and this goes without saying, uh, but I'm going to say it anyway, I, I guess. So it doesn't go without saying Hopkins value. Does, <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins value does not change at all whatsoever, right? No, not to me. I mean, he's, he's just amazing. Anybody who can catch a ball off his hamstring with one hand under his crotch and the other one around his back. I mean, you know, he's like, he reminds me of Fitzgerald. Um, remember when uh, Larry had the quarterback of the day, thrown into the ball and he performed i mean hopkins has been that kind of guy too and now he's got a guy like um uh, watkins throwing the ball and it's just it's it's crazy i mean he's just he's an amazing receiver um and i don't think his, his value changes at all he yeah he needs to perform no i mean like if you own him in dynasty you're loving life for the next you know half decade at a minimum and i and i, I think he's going to be a staple in ffpc main event first rounds for for years to come uh, he's done nothing to to you know change my mind on that. Let's move on to the Detroit and Philadelphia deal as Golden Tate gets shipped to Philadelphia for a third round yeah. pick. Um, let's talk about Philly first and and how does Golden Tate fit into this offense? What you know? How does his? I guess um, if I don't I don't know I you know now I'm thinking about this I don't know if I own him in any leagues this year I may not own him at all mm-hmm. but if I did Kurt I don't know if I'm like I don't even know if I'm sitting him um his first week out there at Philly because I, I I think that Philadelphia throws so much and it is such a large pass uh, such a large you know passing pie that you know right. e- even even if he doesn't have a massive week one uh with with Philly it still should be good enough where he should be in your lineup. So what, what's your thoughts on, on Golden Tate now as an Eagle? Well, you know, I have one of the FFPC main events where I got Golden Tate at late in the seventh round, and I was thinking, oh, wow, this is a steal. This is amazing. I love it. Um, but you look at Philly, you got Ertz, you got Jeffrey, you got Aguilar, um, and now you got Tate. Um, so, gosh, you know, I don't know what happens to him there. I mean, Ertz is a stud. Um, Jeffrey is 
you know, uh, I think those people who drafted him and got him late because he was, you know, off the first, what, four or five weeks are really uh, reaping the benefits. So w- when Tate comes in, I'm not sure what to expect from him. Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, he's probably a guy who I will sit for a little bit to kind of get a sense if I've got someone else to go. Um, it's, it's a bunch of wide receivers there. I mean, they even got uh, Jordan Matthews there too. So, right. I mean, um, what happens there? That's a good question. Uh, Tate's probably a guy I'm going to sit on the bench and look, look at how he does for a while. See what kind of how the snap count is and targets. Um, I mean, Wentz is the one who benefits cause he's got all these guys to throw to. Yeah. Oftentimes when we talk about like, well, you know, who, who's, whose value is up, whose value is down. The most obvious thing is, oh, this is great for the quarterback, you know, whoever it is here. And I think that you're right. You know, Carson Wentz is, is certainly going to see his value go up with the, with another significant weapon for him to throw to. I'm not all that concerned if I have Alshon Jeffrey, because I, I, I don't, I, I think Golden Tate and Jeffrey are, have complementary skills rather than, um, right. you know, a duplication of skills. The guy I'm, I guess I don't worried is not the right word, but I'm a little bit disappointed uh, and the air is a little bit out of my tires. If I own Zach Ertz anywhere, because I think that Tate and Ertz both excel. They are such exceptional route runners underneath. And mm-hmm. I think it might mm-hmm. hurt Ertz a little bit, but especially in an FFPC tight end premium league, you can't, I mean, you're not messing around. You're playing Ertz every single week, even regardless of, you know, of Tate coming in. You, I mean, you have to play Ertz. He's the number one receiving tight end in terms of the FFTC format. Um, I mean, he's just, he's a beast. Um, they're still running the, you know, using two tight ends there with Godert, but Ertz is still catching the ball. And he's, he's the main guy. I don't think it hurts him. I think the odd guy out, I don't know. I'm kind of feeling it right now is uh, Aguilar. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you on that. And, and I'll tell you another uh, odd guy out is the entire Philly backfield on this team. Because they, they, they go out, and this is Doug Peterson who loves the pass, 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 pass. And now they go out right. and get another pass catcher with their backfield. You know, no Jay Ajayi. I mean, Wendell Smallwood is, has really been getting the most um, touches in the backfield. You, you don't know when Sproles is coming back. It's just, it, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's an afterthought there. But I can't really count on any of those running backs now. And I think that no. with, with the acquisition of Tate, this is Philadelphia saying, you know, we're, we're not even going to bother to, to make the running game a, or even try to make the running game a strength. Even, even with how good our offensive line is, um, we're just right. going to pass it all over the field. And our guys are good enough that they're going to beat your guys. And we're going to be able to score more points that way. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, you've got Clement, you've got uh, Smallwood. You've got um, like there's no alphas there. You know what I mean? There's Adams. Like, no, yeah. you have a bunch of guys and they're all getting carries. And I swear to God, when I bench Smallwood, he goes off. When I bench Clement, he goes off. It's like it's one of those backfields at this point. I just want to stay away from. Right. Um, and just, you know, run some other options. But, um, yeah, they may be the loser on this. Let's flip uh, sides of this deal and, and talk about Detroit. Um, this is really good news for Marvin Jones. Really good news for Kenny Galladay, maybe not so much for Matthew Stafford, but you look at um, what what Jones and Galladay could be going forward. You know, you they don't have, I mean, Michael Roberts is there, but it's not like they have an elite tight end messing around. Uh, Theo Riddick's been right. hurt, and, and, you know, I don't know how much you're, you're counting on uh, uh, any of those running backs being significant threats out of the backfield. I think Galladay and Jones, uh, these are significant, significant upticks for both these guys, not just for their fantasy value as far as what they're going to do, but your 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 um, 
um, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase your comfort in, you know, checking them off in the, in your starting lineup every single week. I feel much right. better about it now than I did, you know, five hours ago. Yeah. And in fact, last week I had a decision I had to make for my final flex in the FFPC was, do I go, um, Galladay or do I go Lindsay? Cause you know, Galladay has been performing. So is Lindsay. And I actually went, uh, Lindsay because of the three receivers there. And if that happened this week, it might be a little more difficult decision. Um, you know, with uh, Galladay now getting more share of the targets. Galladay, I think I, I you know, I, I don't, I, I think me personally, I toss around the phrase league winner way too much. I don't, I'm not, I'm going to rein myself in a little bit here, but you look at, I mean, from here on out, what, what week nine we're at from week nine to, to week 16. If you told me that Kenny Galladay was a, you know, uh, say a top 15 receiver, the rest of the way, I wouldn't be shocked. Mm-hmm. And, and I think top mm-hmm. 20 might, I mean, he's probably got a higher, a better than 50% chance to finish as a top 20 receiver the rest of the way from here on out uh, than not. Right. Right. No, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, uh, Mike Santos and I do a ton of leagues together across uh, a variety of leagues. And um, Galladay was a guy we were definitely targeting. And with the idea being, if anything happened to either Tate or um, Jones, Galladay would be gold. And so, um, you know, we weren't hoping for an injury. The trade is the the best possible outcome, I think. And now Galladay's value becomes uh, becomes significant. He's the type of guy, and he showed it to us uh, not this preseason necessarily, but the preseason before, um, what he's capable of doing. So he's a guy that I really like, and he's a guy who I will have no problem starting. Yeah, he's forward. yeah. I mean, he's definitely on upswing. I'm I'm upset that I I don't have him on uh, more teams. I know I got him on a couple, but you know. And here's the other guy, Kurt. And and I don't know if you noticed this, but in the in the the last couple, I'd say like the last two and a half, three weeks of drafting season, that guy. It seemed like every week he would move up another round and a half or another two rounds. Like he became a very very mm-hmm. attractive player for fantasy and people kept grabbing them a, a little bit sooner and a little bit sooner and a little bit sooner. And I was like, boy, at some point, this is not going to pay off, but now it looks like, you know, kind of wherever you got them, it's going to pay off. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at one of the leagues now that I drafted way back when and Galladay went at uh, 12, four. Oh my gosh. Just crazy. Good. To a guy who had Julio Fitzgerald, Crabtree, Jeffrey Galladay, um, unfortunately he missed it running back, but I mean, to have, have Galladay as your fifth receiver off the board and have him in your starting lineup is just, that's, that would be nice. Yeah. It's filthy. Good. Uh, for sure. Let's filthy move good, on. Yeah. Yes. Let's move on and talk about green Bay and Baltimore with the, uh, the deal that, that they made uh, Ty Montgomery. <laughs> this is interesting. Cause there's a lot to unpack here. Ty Montgomery gets shipped to Baltimore for a, not a 2019 pick, a 2020 pick, and it was in the seventh round. A 2020 seventh-round yeah. pick. Green Bay obviously just trying to get whatever they could for him. He goes to Baltimore. Let's talk about this Baltimore backfield. I don't know if this is a significant <laughs> enough impact uh, for, for Montgomery to, to, to upset the apple cart of what they got going with Collins yeah. and Buck Allen there. But how do you see – now this – you know, we, we had the, the triumvirate yeah. mess in Green Bay with, with Jones and Williams and Montgomery – now we have a – it's too early to call it a mess, but you have Collins, you have uh, Buck Allen, and you have Ty Montgomery. How do you see this playing out going forward for Baltimore? Well, you know, Green Bay actually called me and wanted to know if I'd give up my 
dead grandmother's ashes for Montgomery, and I wasn't willing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, then I they think... settled. They settled for the twenty twenty seventh rounder after that. I mean, yeah, I mean, given last week, I mean, he throws a tantrum on the sideline because they pull him out. He doesn't feel he's being utilized. They tell him to take a knee. He runs the ball out, uh, which is bad because he was told not to. And then he fumbles the ball. Um, Rogers is on the sideline saying, you know, take an F and me. Um, I mean, his, his fate there was sealed. Um, they weren't really using him a whole lot. I mean, they've got the, the two young studs, uh, Jones and Williams. Um, we know, we saw what he, uh, Montgomery could do a couple of years ago when he first became a running back there. I think for a while he had the most yards after contact, uh, as you know, in terms of running backs, I don't know what happens now in Baltimore. I mean, they've got Collins, who I've never been impressed with. I don't own any shares of Collins across the board. Um, I've got a few of the other guy. Uh, but, um, I mean, what happens there? They've got uh, Brown in the, uh, in the receiving core who's done really well. Unfortunately, I don't own enough shares of him. I mean, he's just – he's a guy who's put a nail in my coffin several weeks. They've got Crabtree who's, who's doing okay. But um, – you know, I don't know. Are they going to use him as a running back? Are they going to use him as a slot receiver? Um, I don't know. I've got some shares in Montgomery. I'm hoping they become more valuable. But uh, I'm not um, not betting a lot of money on it yeah, at you this ha- point. You have to kind of see how it plays out. I'm of the opinion that I, I think for, you know, and I've never been a big Alex Collins guy either. I thought he was, you know, way overdrafted uh, this year in a lot of leagues. And, and so I didn't get him. I don't think I got him anywhere. Um, but you know, you look at, I guess like if Baltimore is making this deal now to me, it suggests that, okay, well, what Montgomery, what his strength is, is route running and and his hands. And to me, if they make this deal, it's suggesting to me that they don't believe that, excuse me, that they do believe that he is an upgrade over Buck Allen, because that's what Buck Allen does really well is, is catch passes out of the backfield. And he's been very successful at that. So maybe, um, it, it hurts him. And, and Montgomery mm-hmm. ends up, you know, playing the quote unquote uh, Javorius Allen role. But I think you're right. We, we just don't, we're not, we don't know yet. And I don't think any of the, well, I mean, it's a six, it's a 16 by this week. So, I mean, it's, decisions will have to be made, but none of these guys, I guess like you don't have to count on Allen or Montgomery as a starter. Hopefully you don't have to count on them as a starter right away. And you kind of let these guys marinate on the bench see how Baltimore is going to treat him. And then you'll know which guy to activate, which guy to cut and so on and so forth. So, right. Well, unfortunately I got a football guys team where I got, I was starting Montgomery and he gets traded to Baltimore. I'm like, great. Now he's (laughs) even less valuable this week. Um, that's a one in 17, by the way, I'm very proud to say, well, listen, (laughs) it it happens to the best of us. No, no question. Um, and, uh, good for you. Um, still, still, you know, following up and making, you know, first place in the main event and, and you're still making sure that you're submitting a lineup for that one in seven team. God bless you, Kurt Kikas. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know what? It just, it just irks the hell out of me. I, I got to make it at least a three win team. <laughs> and there you go. Yes, exactly. It's, it, it's, you gotta, you gotta get it up there. It's a personal vendetta for sure. Um, let's talk about green Bay's backfield. I know we touched on it briefly, but obviously this is good for Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. And maybe really yeah. good for Aaron Jones. We saw last week what can happen when he gets double-digit carries. Averages, you know, more than seven yards a carry. Gets that big touchdown against the Rams. I think he had, you know, it's like 12 carries for 82 or 86 yards. Somewhere in the 80s. He looked really, really good. And now he doesn't have Ty Montgomery coming out there um, as much as he did before. Now you still have Jamal Williams, who is a is probably a better pass catcher than Aaron Jones. He's for sure a better pass blocker than Aaron Jones. But you can tell 
Jones is making the strides, and, and I think Mike McCarthy's kind of realizing, like, look, the way we compete, the way we um, contend, and, and the way we hang with these these teams that we're going up uh, against over the next you know month of this brutal stretch for the Green Bay is running the ball with Aaron Jones, and uh, it, it's all good things with Montgomery not there anymore. Yeah, I mean, I have a, a fair amount of uh, Williams with the uh, premise of being, you know, he's he's there for four games. He's not going to have Aaron Jones because of the suspension. He's got a chance to really get a leg up. He's a better pass catcher. Um, but that being said, I do like Aaron Jones better than, than Williams, but just given the context of what was happening. What's this in my mind, though, is just the, the, the freaking drama that's going in up there. I mean, it started at the beginning of the season where uh, Jordy gets traded you know, or cut. He, he's out of there. Aaron wasn't uh, consulted. He's all pissy about it. And just, you know, what we read about the, the conflict or the issues between him and McCarthy, um, I just, outside of owning Adams in a bunch of leagues, I don't know if I'd want to own anybody else in that whole Green Bay team at this point. Yeah, and the other thing, too, to, to bear in mind is Aaron Rodgers is, you know, you, you look at some of these younger quarterbacks or maybe quarterbacks that are substandard, uh, they tend to lock on to to one one target on their offense and pepper him with, mm-hmm. with a ton of balls throughout the game. Aaron Rodgers is, is talented enough and, and good enough where he'll spray the ball around, which is great if you're a Packers yeah. fan. But if you're a fantasy guy and, and you need Marquez Valdez-Scantling uh, to catch a bunch of balls or you know Jimmy Graham to catch a bunch of balls, it's not always going to work out that way because Rodgers is so good and making sure he hits the open guy. So I think you're right. You know, when, when you look at who, you, what pieces you want of that Packers offense, obviously, oh, it's great. You know, it's an elite offense. You want as much as you can. Well, that that's right. fine and, and good maybe for a best ball league. But for right now, it's like it's Devontae Adams. And then it's, you know, week to week, it's a bunch of question marks. Yeah. And I've got Scantling is uh, on a bunch of teams. And, you know, he's one of those guys I'll run as a, a bye week filler and, you know, he, he, he did okay last week, but you know, I just Adam uh, Adams and Rogers would be the ones I want to own, and it's not like the Packers of yesteryear where you you know you'd be happy having the third receiver, right? Because you know he's going to get some play. Yeah, it's 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 to, it's totally different, and 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 I'm with you there on on both Adams and and in, in MVS. I think I've already said that. You know, ever since they drafted Valdez Scantling, I was like, okay, 2019, that dude is going to be the number two receiver for Green Bay. You know, mm-hmm. he's he, all he needs to do, he needs to get some proper coaching. He needs to polish his game up. But the raw speed, uh, the the size, everything, he's got all the physical yeah. tools that you need to be a receiver on this level. And when you can play opposite Devontae Adams, throwing Aaron, uh, get, catching balls from, from Aaron Rodgers, I think things are going to be very, very good for Marquez uh, Valdez Scantling next year. And you're right. I mean, I've been tossing him in for bye weeks too. Uh, right now, and uh, it's it's working out for me so far. We'll we'll see if he can continue that going forward. Two other deals I want to touch on be, before we we uh, sort of you know get into the final part of our of our little chat, Kurt. Amari Cooper to Dallas uh, for the first round pick. <laughs> I, does this do anything or is valid? I mean, I am not. I was I own Amari Cooper on one dynasty team, and I was like, this is great. He gets dealt. I'm gonna I'm gonna or he gets dealt to to Dallas. I get a float some trade offers out there right now and just rid myself of this guy. And then I was thinking about, I'm like, I I don't know if this is necessarily better going to a low volume passing game. And he's still Amari Cooper who has, you know, been plagued by drops his entire NFL career. I I guess I'm, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you're excited about this of him going to the Cowboys. Mm -hmm. I know I'm not. Yeah. Well, um, I own Amari in probably 
I don't know, four of my overall teams, including main events and football guys. Um, not a guy I really went after. He's a guy who I said, you know, I'm going to grab a piece of just in case because we saw what he did early on. But you know, the problem with Amari Cooper is no matter where he goes, he takes along Amari Cooper. Um, you can't blame Carr for the drops. You know, we're not going to blame Prescott for the drops. He's the guy who's really inconsistent. And at this point, he's on my list of guys for best ball because he'll have that game. In fact, last year, um, I think he had two huge games, and then he really stunk the rest of the season. And, of course, I had him on the bench when he had those huge games. I got excited and threw him in my lineup, and he got me like a you know a 2.7. And it's just, he's frustrating. But as far as best ball goes, Amari's the guy I might look to in the future depending what round he's in because I know that he's going to have those big weeks. But overall, in um, – redraft he's not a guy i have any interest in i wouldn't have any interest in him in uh, uh dynasty at all um unless i was offering a seventh round pick and getting him <laughs> then i might be interested just in case but um yeah um kudos to Gu- uh, gruden i don't i think gruden's destroying that team overall up there but uh, that was a good move. He got rid of a guy and got a, a first-round pick. Yeah, I, I did not think he was going to be able to get that. So, so yeah, kudos to him because uh, that that was quite the magic trick he pulled off there. Uh, last deal I want to talk about. This ha- happened uh, a, a couple weeks ago right now. But uh, Carlos Hyde gets shipped off from, uh, from Cleveland to Jacksonville. We'll fire up Nick Chubb. We all love Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb in Cleveland. However... Uh, how does this affect uh, Leonard Fournette and, and what we can expect uh, for the touches, not only between Fournette and Hyde the rest of the way, but TJ Yeldon as well, who is who's shown that, that he is uh, more than capable as a pass catcher in that offense. It kind of reminds me of, of what Cleveland had at the start of the season with Chubb and Johnson and Hyde. Now you have Hyde and Fournette and Yeldon in Jacksonville, and it, it kind of cuts into all three of their values. Right. Well, I think we know, you know, one thing we've learned, especially if you pay attention to last year, is utilizing a three running back system does not work. <clears throat> you, Jackson. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they tried it in New Orleans last year when they had Ingram, they had uh, rookie Kamara, and then they had uh, Peterson. And as soon as Peterson disappeared from the picture, uh, I mean, Kamara just blossomed. And, um, you know, Ingram had, they, they both had great years. Um, I had a couple teams last year where I was running Kamara and Ingram and just smiling the whole way. Um, so yeah, these the three running back situation is just I don't know. It, it, it's pretty crazy. The issue with Fournette, I mean Fournette was a guy I was targeting in some leagues. Um, I didn't get him as much as I wanted. And I'm really thankful for that now. Right. I think I got him in one main event out of my nine at the FFPC. Um, smart enough to back him up with Yeldon. Um, I don't didn't have any hide in the main event. I've got one chub in the main event because I like going for those rookie running backs that later in the season may you know, have an opportunity. Um, so Hyde now down in Jacksonville, along with Yeldon, along with Fournette, who after week one, as we remember, had a minor hamstring pull or tweak. Um, and he's played what? Um, I don't know, 27 downs or something. Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know what to do down there. Um, I think, for me, at this point, Yeldon is the safest guy to play. Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's 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 weird to say, but, I mean, when you're catching passes at the rate he is and and the fact that, uh, you know, the, the, the offense seems to be going best when, when he is, you know, involved in the passing game, I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's weird to say, but, uh, yeah, I think he's the type of guy that you can flex out. 
week to week, especially, especially with this, you know, all these bye weeks coming up. He's a guy that you can yeah. plug in there. I'm a, I don't, I don't really know what to expect from Fournette and Hyde. Um, their Hyde's obviously going to be, uh, you know, on my bench uh, now that Fournette is coming back uh, after the bye here, and and we'll see what what happens going forward. But I'm not excited. Uh, one other thing I should for mention, how many for how many downs is he coming back for? That's yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Until he reaggravates something again, which is which is just. I mean, I've got him in uh, one of my Terminator teams, and. I mean, I can't terminate him because <laughs> right. he's Fournette. We know what he's capable of, um, but it, it's just driving me crazy. I'd love for him to just say, "Oh, we're going to shut him down," or you know, or whatever. But it's just frustrating down there. Well, and then, and then that dynasty league that you mentioned that you and I are in uh, earlier, the, mm-hmm. the one um, I, I it was it was a I took over a team in that league, and there was a dispersal draft between me and and, and another owner. And I took Fournette. I think I took him with the second pick in in the dispersal draft. And I'm like, oh, this is a good cornerstone. Mm-hmm. And now it's turned into I need him to have one good game, Kurt, so I can flip him for something. And I I've just I've been waiting on that one good game for like a month and a half, and he's been hurt. And exactly. Like, oh, it's been so annoying. It's like I just needed to come back, have 110 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and I'll take what I can get for him and move on and just cut the cord and be happy with it. I can't even get that. So frustrating, but yeah. we'll, you know, we'll, we'll see better times are ahead. Um, hopefully one last thing about Cleveland, Todd Haley gone, Hugh Jackson gone. Um, what does this do for, for, for the Cleveland offense, uh, specifically for like Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, Nick Chubb. Are you excited for any, or Duke Johnson? I'll mention too. Are you excited for any of those guys now that, uh, Todd Haley is not running the offense there? Um, not necessarily. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of Cleveland Browns. I am a Cleveland Brown fan. I spent many years growing up in Cleveland. Mistake by the lake. Um, I just, um, I don't know. I was happy to see Hugo, and I've been calling for Hugh to go, as many folks have been, for over well over a year. Um, and then when he went, I was really excited. I'm thinking, okay. And then Haley goes, I'm like, oh, wow. So I started thinking about you know, Baker Mayfield. Okay, what's going to happen to this guy? He loses his head coach. He loses his offensive coordinator. It's his rookie year. So right away, we're introducing inconsistency into this poor guy's development. Um, yeah, I'm not too excited about anything up there at this point, uh, except the defense. We, uh, we, we, as I said earlier, we're recording this on Tuesday. I don't know if you've placed it in waiver bids uh, yet this week, uh, week, Kurt, but with, with all the, the, the deadline deals that went down today, I'm just kind of curious if, if there's anybody in, in your football guys' leagues, anybody in your main event leagues, uh, that you'll you'll be going after this week, that that you'll be targeting on the waiver wire uh, to try to improve mm-hmm. your roster here for the stretch run. Is there anybody that 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 comes to mind, or have you are, are you still in a feeling out period with with all the stuff that went down today? You're talking about about Cleveland in particular, or just in general. Any 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 team, anybody in general. Well, you know, from what I've seen out there, and a lot of the football guys, um, Callaway is out there. Um, so he's a guy who I might be spending, you know, a little bit of change on, not a whole lot, just to, just to have him on, on board just in case. Um, he's a guy, um, Anthony Miller is out there in a bunch of team, a bunch of leagues that I saw. And he's a guy who, you know, might be interesting to have down the road. Um, um, don't know why anybody would have dropped him. I mean, he's done fairly well. You know, he had the shoulder issue, um, but it didn't seem significant. But uh, from what I've seen thus far in my initial review, I spend about four hours on Tuesday looking through the free agents and I, you know, picking out the guys I might want, throw them in the list, save them. Then on Wednesday, I go back 
and I, I look more seriously and who I might want to drop, uh, how much I'm going to spend. But Callaway and Miller are the two guys I'm looking at. That's um, interesting. This week, that's an interesting approach. I I had not uh, thought about that before, but that's uh, that's a good way to divvy up the. Uh, but you know, it's sort of like you have semifinalists and then finalists essentially for your yeah. riverwear every week. Well, when you're semi-retired and your wife wants you the hell out of her way, it's a good way to keep the marriage going. <laughs> yes, yeah, you you do it for the for the wife. This is this is how you place waivers when you're married to keep the relationship strong. Good for you. I certainly appreciate that. You have been very gracious with your time this evening, sir. Last question before I let you go: uh, Is there sure. a stud, not necessarily in in that you own anywhere, but a guy who was drafted in the early rounds, a guy who has been starting for a lot of teams this year? that you might be a little bit queasy starting this week uh, due to a bad matchup or what have you, a guy that you think high-stakes owners might want to think twice about before putting him in their starting lineups, and then conversely, uh, a guy that probably will not be started in a lot of leagues this week that you think, hey, you guys should think twice and get him in your starting lineup this week. Hmm. Well, that's, I don't know. I, I view that as kind of a tough question at this point because, you know, we're in that bye week and it. A lot of people, you know, are not playing, and you got to fill in people you really wouldn't want to play anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know about that one. Um, I think about like, and like, it, um, you know, when it when it comes down to it, with because we've been we've already been dealing with the four team buys. I mean, that's just you know, right. it, it is what it is. When you have a six team bye week, it when it yeah. comes down to it, and I think you kind of touched on this it's really difficult to get cute. It's really, really difficult yep. to, to kind of outthink yourselves because you have, you have very limited options. On one of my dynasty yep. teams, I think it was two weeks ago, Kurt, I, well, maybe you will believe this one because you know my track record in dynasty, but I have, it's a 22-man <laughs> uh, roster, and literally all 11, uh, no, excuse me, um, all 12 of my bench players were either hurt on IR, inactive, or on buy. I, I didn't have one decision mm-hmm. to make. Like, all I could field was a starting lineup that week. And and this and we might be running into this, and I don't know how many how many teams yeah. uh, you've already set lineups for this week, but you may run into this. Like, I, I don't – lineup setting is – it's difficult to field the lineup, but once you have your roster, it's pretty easy to set because it sort of sets itself with six teams on buy. Right. Right. Beggars can't be choosers. Exactly. You play a lot of people. I got some teams where I'm playing Baldwin as a receiver, and he's a guy who, you know, where I got him, I got him late because of the knee issue early on. But it's like he's not a guy I really want to play. But I'm playing Baldwin, and let's hope he catches a few balls and see what happens. But, uh, I mean, the whole bye week issue is, a, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, the team I have right now that's at the top of the FFBC – I've got Gurley, Kelsey, Hill, Cup. Um, they're all by week twelve. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing very well right now with that team, but I'm going to go into the first week of the playoffs <laughs> running five backups. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I don't expect to 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 some you know to come through the other side on the skate. You basically, but you, uh, we're getting to. You have to be rooting it like man. I hope in the first week of the playoffs. I hope I play. Kareem Hunt, Brandon Cooks, you know, like all in and and and, uh, and Jared Goff and all these other guys, you know, and, and it'll just be a matchup where the finals like eighty to seventy to move on to the league championship game. <laughs> eighty to seventy. Well, what, or whatever, you know, week. whatever it would be. No, I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, but 
I mean, in terms of you know, the bye week issue, you, you just draft a team that's going to be the most explosive and the most um, the most likely to move you on. I mean, you can draft to win your league or you can draft to win the tournament. Um, if you draft to win the tournament, you can win the tournament, but sometimes you, you don't win the tournament. You don't win your league. Um, so it's always good to have a few teams that you – you shoot for the sky with. Let me. Uh, I know you, you gave us Baldwin as a as a guy you're not super excited about, but you know you, yeah. you, you sort of have to play in, in certain circumstances. What? Let me just. Uh, I'll throw these two rookies uh, at you before I let you go. Uh, DJ. Sure. D, we touched on Cortland Sutton early uh, earlier, but huh? he, he plays Houston at home, and then you have DJ Moore who is playing Tampa Bay at home. I think those guys. You know, not a lot of people yeah. have started going into into uh, the year and throughout the season, yep. and maybe not a lot of people have them in their starting lineups this week. I think those guys make intriguing flex options. So when does this air? This will air sometime on Thursday. Oh, good. Um, T.J. Moore's out there in a bunch of leagues. Yeah, I noticed too. that too. I was surprised. Yeah, so when I talked to you about some of those guys that was out there, I completely forgot about, you know, I talked about Miller being out there. DJ Moore's out there, and I, I'm like going, oh, my goodness gracious. Um, um, I mean, he's got such potential, and I've got him in a bunch of leagues, and I haven't, you know, really played him because he's sitting there. i got other guys to play. But, you know, he's one of those guys who I would love to have on my bench because you know, as the season wears on and he gets more experience and Cam gets more comfortable with him, boom. Um, so, yeah, he's a guy who's out there in a, uh, a few of the F- uh, football guys that I'm doing. Um so I'm, I'm excited about him. Well, good luck to you uh, picking him up uh, off the waiver wire in the leagues you don't already own him. Uh, I'm excited, you know, going forward to, to seeing what I can do with DJ Moore down the stretch. And good luck to you the rest of the way in, in you know, football guys teams, your main event teams, all your teams. Uh, Kurt, you certainly have positioned yourself to making 2018 a memorable year. Uh, all that hard work, all that preparation, it has not gone for naught yet. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens the rest of the way, man. I'm, I'm, I'm really liking your chances here with, with three teams in the top 45 of the FFPC main event alone uh, as we move forward into week 10. Uh, good luck to you. Well, Thanks thank for you. joining me this week, and we will talk to you again soon, man. Appreciate it. I mean, we all when we play this game, we, you know, the fantasy is that we're going to win. But the bottom line is we want to be competitive. So as long as we're there to the bottom line, win, lose, or draw, it's it's exciting. And just as exciting as being on your show, Wolfie. You are way too kind, my friend. I appreciate it. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your weekend. And uh, and, uh, don't be a stranger. All right. You take care. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz Radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage rotoviz.com slash podcast. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at $15. 
15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2. Excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.